The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, so if we could get the study sheets distributed, that'd be great. A couple of you guys can maybe help out. Turn your Bibles in the meantime to Ephesians chapter 2. We've been studying for quite a while now, looking at the grace of God, and we've looked at many, many different facets of the grace of God. We've discussed, we defined grace and talked about, in a scriptural sense, what grace is. We've diagrammed grace and looked at the, at the many different facets and components of grace. We've described grace from biblical terms, as the Bible describes the grace of God. We've, we've talked about the distribution of the grace of God. And how, and how and to whom it's distributed. We talked about uh, the diversities of the grace of God and talked about the many different ways in which our life is enhanced and, and improved and, and, and strengthened by the grace of God. We talked about the decrees of grace and, and what God has decreed to be uh, because of his grace. And we looked at, last time, we've looked at grace deliberately bestowed. We looked at at, uh, the, at the deliberate act of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in the distribution of the grace of God. Uh, we've got two more sections to go. Uh, and today we're going to start on one of those sections, and that is grace designated. So number eight on your study sheet is grace designated. Let's look at Ephesians chapter two together. I'll begin reading at verse one. And you hath he quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." But God, notice verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, how rich and powerful are your words. And we just, Lord, as, as I contemplate what I just read, I'm, I'm so, I'm speechless, Lord. I, I lack the eloquence to, 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 to give you the expression of thanks and appreciation for what you have done for us through your grace. So help us today as we attempt to teach your word. You, may your spirit speak to our hearts and minds and and enrich us with the knowledge and wisdom that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Bless all who are here. 
We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Those are some powerful verses we just read. I don't I don't know if the words impacted you as they did me when I when I studied this passage and when I prepared this. Uh, You notice in verse two, he says, wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. We were dead in trespasses and sins, as he says in the first verse. And we lived our life according to the to the wickedness of this world, according to the lusts of the flesh. I think sometimes Christians forget that. I think sometimes we we tend to we tend to forget who we were and what we were. We, we tend to forget how wicked and evil we truly were and the capacity. Maybe, maybe we weren't necessarily wicked people, but we possessed the capacity for that. And we forget that. We forget that if it were not for Jesus Christ, we would still be in that condition, in that plight. And, and we're going to talk about some things today in the designation of God's grace that I, I want you to listen to. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to mention anything, as I always say when I preach. I'm not going to give you anything new today. Nothing that Baptists haven't been teaching for generations and generations, all the way back to John the Baptist standing in the Jordan River. But I'm going to remind us of some things today that we tend to forget from time to time. So... Let's talk about the designation of God's grace. Now, by the term designated, I'm referring to the appointment of grace. Uh, Consider for a moment the famous hymn of Sir John Newton. We all know this hymn. It's the hymn Amazing Grace. Think about that hymn for a moment. Jonathan, John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace have brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You may say, John Newton must have been a godly man. He must have been raised in a believing home. He must have been taught of the grace of God from from a young man. But that's not at all the story of John. How many of you know the story of John Newton? Any of you? John Newton was a slave trader. He spent his life. In many years in discouragement, enslaved to a life that kept him in darkness, away from God. Yet all the while, he was being pursued by God and his irresistible grace. Until one day, while in the midst of a violent storm at sea, John Newton was apprehended by this wonderful grace of God. It's just as the Apostle Paul wrote, In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul writes, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We know, we all know who Paul was, right? Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. He was a persecutor 
of the then newly formed Church of Jesus Christ. Paul had letters of Mark given to him by, uh, by um, uh, the, the governor of, of Jerusalem. And Paul was empowered by the state of Rome to go forth into the known world and to find Christians and wherever he found them, to persecute them, to enslave them, and in some cases even to murder them. Paul was, was not a very likable man among the Christian community, was he? But one day on the road to Damascus, he met a man. And that man forever changed his life. Just like John Newton, who was a slave trader, he dealt in human suffering. And one day, out in the midst of the ocean, in a, in a violent storm, he met a man. A man who forever changed his life. And by the way, I too was living my life oblivious of the love of God, seeking and pursuing my own course, until one day, 35 years ago, I met a man. And that man forever changed my life. And the same is true for you. As you sit here this morning, if you are a child of God, you were lost and you were dead in trespasses and sin until one day you met a man. And that man forever changed your life. It was then that, that John Newton penned the words to his famous hymn of the faith, Amazing Grace. So this morning I would like to take uh, some time and take this hymn and discuss the appointments of grace in our life as penned in the words of John Newton. So first this morning, let me say this. We are appointed unto redemption by grace. Yes, we have an appointment with redemption. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, we read, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you're saved. Even when we were dead in sins. You know, praise be the name of God that we don't have to clean up our lives first in order to get saved because we'd never accomplish that, would we? There would always be some dark corner in our life. You ever clean your house? Huh? You ever do that spring cleaning maybe? It's amazing how much junk you accumulate in one year, isn't it? But you ever notice how when you're trying to clean something, you, you have to make a bigger mess. You ever notice that? That's just the way it is, isn't it? And it's so easy to miss something, isn't it? After we do all that cleaning, we put forth all that effort, weeks later we find some spot that we missed. And that's the case in our human hearts. We're always, we're never going to clean up our lives. We're never going to be able to do that. And I know you know that this morning. I just want to remind you of that. So be patient with young believers. Be patient with young Christians who are struggling to try to, 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 to live for Christ. Because no matter how hard we try, we're always going to miss something. But we are appointed under redemption. Even when we were dead, Newton penned amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We are appointed unto redemption by God's grace. Notice the words that God inspired the writers of Hebrews to pen. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, we read, And as it is appointed 
unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Man is appointed to death. Physical death. Man is already in spiritual death. But every man is appointed to die. It's inescapable. The Bible says that this corruptible must put on incorruption. This flesh, this flesh must die in order that God may raise it incorruptible as, as, as not sinful flesh. Now that's going to happen one of two ways. Either I'm going to physically die and be laid in the grave or at the rapture of the church when Christ descends in the clouds and the trumpet of the angels sounds and we all rise together to be with the Lord, at that point this corruptible flesh will be changed into incorruptible. But at, at, at every man, believer or non-believer, is appointed unto death. That's clear in scripture. But then he says, uh, that, uh, but unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. Who, but who is it that look for him? Well, it is, of course, those that have been given to him by the Father. That's right. We've been given to Christ. In John chapter 6 and verse 39, we read, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This, of course, speaks to our election in Christ. The fact that God chose us, that God set his heart upon us, and Christ came to earth to redeem the, the, the elect, and all of those who are the elect of God were given to Jesus, and Jesus, he said, shall lose nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. There's comfort in that, but there's great truth in that also. This is, this is that which he spoke of in John chapter 10. When we read, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear, me, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. Let's look at that. Turn with me to John chapter. Keep your, keep your finger in Ephesians chapter 2. Don't lose that. But let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus said, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. Now look at verse 27 in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them. Out of my hand. Do you see that? Jesus said, you don't believe me because you're not one of my sheep. So that means not every man is a child of God. That's what the world wants us to believe, that we're all God's children. And no matter what we do in life, at the end, we'll all be with God. Well, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? But it's not true. 
Jesus himself states right here, there are some that will not believe because they are not his. He, he, he doesn't know them intimately as his children. So, as we sit here today and as we listen to the teaching of God's word, do you hear his voice? Do you hear that voice in your heart and mind, the Holy Spirit saying, that's true. That's exactly what, what, what we need to know and understand. We hear the voice of Christ, don't we? Not a, not a booming, audible voice. But we, we have a sense of the truth of God. We, we hear his words. His words have meaning to us. They, they have impact in our hearts and in our minds. And we follow him. Sometimes I'm amazed how two men can sit in the same room and one will hear and the other will not. And that's because Jesus stated in verse 26, because you're not of my sheep. Now what about you and me today? Are we of his sheep? Do we we hear the voice of Christ? And, And do we follow that voice? Or are we just so familiar with the words of God? We, we, we believe that these are nice things and good things. You know, I think there's a lot of people sit in churches. And, and, and they're out of habit. Uh, being, they're coming to church out of habit. They're, they agree with the words that they hear and, and from the preacher or the teacher. And, and they listen to them. But th- those words don't really have meaning to them. Because they're not really one of Jesus' sheep. And, and, and there's a danger in that because as we grow older and older and older, we drift further and farther and farther from God because we were never close to God to begin with. So it's, it's important that you and I, every one of you, look at me right now, everybody, if you hear nothing else I say today, hear this. It's so important that you examine your heart. That you know in your heart that you are a child of God. You know, I've known Christians over the years who who would be ashamed to, to come forward and admit they, they truly never were saved because they'd be embarrassed in front of the church or, or things such. Better to be embarrassed in front of a man than cast into hell before the Lord. Examine your hearts today. Do you hear the voice of Christ or do you only hear my voice? Do you follow the will of God or, or are you following your own agenda? So first today, we are appointed unto redemption by God's grace. But then number two on your study sheets, we are appointed unto revelation by grace. In John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we read, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses... But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now John stated that we've all received of his fullness. And that's, that's referring to the revelation that has been given to us um, through, through Christ Jesus our Lord. John Newton penned, I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. See, John Newton was pursuing his life blinded to the truth of God, but suddenly he was saved. 
he was found, he, he, he was appointed under redemption, and then he was appointed under revelation. He understood, he sees with his eyes. Now, revelation of truth is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. That's, that's one of the Holy Spirit's responsibilities. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read from verses 12 and 13, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Turn to that. Look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think there's, I think there's benefit in seeing the Word of God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And let's look at verse 12. Notice, Paul writes, We have received not the spirit of the world, or, or, or by spirit of the world we're talking about the understanding, the philosophies, and the knowledge. Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Now, when I prepared this lesson, I studied and I, I, I did research and I did all of that. But if the only power behind these words was my, was my wisdom, you, you profit nothing. Because there's no profit in man's wisdom. But in God's wisdom, there is great power, great profit, great truth. And that is through the work of the Holy Spirit. Not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Now, as I speak these words this morning, you will hear them with your ear, but they will be infused into your heart and minds by the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches. Think back to a, for a moment to a time before you were saved. Do you un did you understand the truth of God? I, I remember when I was in the Air Force. I was in my barracks one day and the Holy Spirit had begun to work in my heart. There was a man in, in, in my unit who was, who was a Christian. And I observed him and, and saw his lifestyle and, and saw the, the mocking and the ridicule he went through from the other people. And, and he began to have an influence in my life. And and I remember going down to the bookstore and buying a Bible. Now, I was a Roman Catholic, so the Bible was just a, a, a figurehead, just, a, just something you put on your table so, to make your house more holy, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I went and purchased the Bible, and I went to my barracks, and I sat there, and I started reading the book of Psalms. And you know what? I was inspired by what I read. I really was. But I didn't understand a bit of it. None of it had real meaning to me because I wasn't one of God's sheep at that time. And I didn't, I didn't really hear the words. They, 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 they were inspiring, but they weren't impactful. So, you see, we didn't understand the truth of God, did we, before we were saved? And, and, and the bottom line is we didn't really even care about the truth of God. I mean... I spent two or three days doing that, and you know what I did after that? Closed the Bible and tossed it on the side. I don't even know what ever happened to that Bible. I, I, I don't honestly, and I'm not proud of that, but I honestly don't even know what happened to that Bible. I don't, know if, I don't know if I threw it away. I don't know what I did. But it flew away from me because 
Because I, I hadn't received revelation from God. I didn't care about the truth of God, but now it's different. Now we do care. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, we read, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that word creature could easily be translated creation. He is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, the true child of God, after he receives the revelation from the Holy Spirit, the true child of God does not continue in sin. The old man is, and by the way, always has been, dead. Even before I was saved, my nature was that of a dead man. The old man was dead. But now that I'm saved, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. And now that old nature is also dead. Or should I say, better say, it's been, been, been mortified. It's been put under control by God the Father. It no longer has authority over me. It no longer has power over me. It still exists. But it doesn't control me anymore unless, what? Unless I yield to it. But you and I have been empowered. We've been given. We've been given authority over our own flesh. We've been, not, not by our own power or by our own will, but by the, by the nature infused into us, the nature of Christ, that new creature, that new creation. Now, a new man reigns in its place. A man with the nature of God through his, his creation. Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And then in verse 4 he says, But God, who is rich in, in, in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. And by the grace of God, we have been given the revelation of truth. We understand these things. We know them. And they influence us. And they help us to control the flesh. And to, and to yield to the spirit. And to resist the flesh. Are you doing that today? If you are a child of God, are you resisting the flesh? Or are you yielding to the flesh? Well, if you are yielding to the flesh, then you are failing. And, and, and not because God has failed, but because you have failed. Because we have been given a new nature. And that nature will control us if we yield to the Holy Spirit of God. By the grace of God, we've been given the revelation of truth that we will live in the light of God's grace apart from the flesh. And then... Lastly, with the last few minutes we have this morning, we are appointed unto courage by grace. Courage. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Luke writes, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, 
hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. You know, as Christians, we, we go through this life afraid. Afraid of ridicule. Afraid of, of uh, loss of position, loss of stature. You know, I, I work in a I work in a workplace outside of the church, and you, we all know the we all know the temperature of today, right? But you know what? That doesn't stop me. I don't I don't go stand in the middle of my workplace and start preaching. But you know what? When people approach me and ask me a question, I answer them. I I tell them the truth. I had someone come to me the other day and said. Uh, what do you think about, about such and such? And I said, well, the Bible says, and I told him. You say, you know, you might lose your job. Yeah, but I'd rather lose my job, but be a witness to the Lord. Amen. Years ago, I, I, I went to work for a guy, and I know why the Lord did this. I know why the Lord put me in that man's employ, because the Lord wanted that man to hear the gospel. He was, he was the owner of the company. He was my boss. And one day we were at lunch. And his name was Ron. And I said, Ron, do you know the Lord? We were sitting at lunch. He looked at me. I said, do you know the Lord, Ron? What do you mean? And I witnessed to him. Ron didn't, he didn't, he didn't get saved that day. And it wasn't too much longer that his relationship and mine wasn't the same. And then the Lord opened the door for another job. And I, and I went on and I often said, you know, the Lord brought me into Ron's life to witness to him. What about you? He, he does that with you too. Have courage. Be, be bold. Now, now don't be foolish. I mean, as I said, I don't walk in in the morning and start passing out tracts. And I don't walk in there with my Bible and stand up in the middle of the, the, the environment and say, oh, Hey, everybody listen to me. I'm not foolish. But as Peter said, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. When people come to me and say, what do you think about this? If we're in the work environment, I say, well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's wait till break time and I'll talk to you. And we'll go outside and I'll talk to you. And I, do. I go outside and I talk with them. Just have courage. Be, be, be bold. Luke said, don't fear. Actually, these were the words of Jesus. Don't be afraid of man who can do nothing more to you. They can kill you, but all they'll do by dispatching you is send you on to heaven. I heard a story of a preacher once who was preaching and someone got offended and came down the aisle and looked at him and said, I'm going to bite your head off. He said, if you do, you're going to have more brains in your stomach than in your head. What is a man going to do to you? Don't be afraid of what men can do. Be afraid of what the Lord will do to those who do not serve him and do not love him. Now, the grace of God. Uh, John Newton wrote, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." In other words, Newton said, "'Grace taught me what to fear and took away the fear of the things I didn't need to fear.'" That's exactly what he meant by that. Don't be afraid of, of, of living for Jesus, the, the only thing that really matters. Because this life is going to end. And when this life ends, the only thing you're going to have left are those things that you've done for Jesus. 
Those works that we've done in the name of Christ that go forward before us into the, into the throne of God and, and we will be, we will be appreciated by God for. Those are the things that matter. We, we get all wrapped up in this earth of, we get all wrapped up in things and doing the things we want and yet all the while ignoring the things that God wants. So let's remember that. The grace of God will give us the courage we need to live for God. Turn with me to, you're in Ephesians, or we should still be there. Let's go to chapter 6 and, and read real quick. I've got like four minutes left. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Now he says finally because he's summing up everything he's written before this in, in the book of Ephesians. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I preached a message a while back on, on uh, who hath hindered you, and, and I, I, play, I ranked the influences in what I consider to be the least to the most influential. And I put the devil last, and I think some people might have thought I was saying that we don't need to fear the devil. We do need to, we do need to fear the devil, because Jesus said... To fear the devil because he is a he is an influence that can harm us in this life. However, we have been given the victory over him, have we not? We've been given the victory over the devil, and the devil cannot control me. He cannot make me do anything. And and here we see that 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 we're told by Paul that if we if we put on the armor of God, we will be able to withstand the devil. We will be able to to withstand his tactics, his attacks. These things will have no no real power over us. But if we fail to put on the armor of God, you better fear the devil and you better move him to number one in, in the list of priorities, because if you fail to put on the armor of God, then you are going to die in a, in a battle. If you're in a battle and you have no armor, what are your odds? Pretty slim, right? At least, and, you know, I often think watching these old, these old movies about sword fighting, I, I always, boy, I'm glad I didn't live in that day. Huh? Wow. Even in the old West days where people got shot just for walking across the street. Man, I'm glad I didn't live in those days either. But you know what? We still live in treacherous times, don't we? Now, the weapons of our warfare are listed in verses 14 through 18. I don't have time to go over each one individually, so just let me give them to you. The weapons of our warfare. Uh, first is truth. We have truth on our side. We have the truth of God's word. Secondly is righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ, do we not? Do we not? Doesn't the Bible say that we have been given the righteousness of Christ? It, it dwells in us. Therefore, it's accessible to us. Number three, we have our, our weapon is the gospel. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number four, and this is a big one, faith. We have the substance of faith. We know what we believe. For Christ uh, gives testimony in our life. 
Next, we have knowledge. Then we have the word of God. The word of God, if you remember, is the weapon Jesus used to defeat the devil in temptation. The devil ran away from Jesus because Jesus used the word of God. And then, of course, our last weapon is prayer. What a privilege and advantage we have of prayer. The ability to enter into the throne room of grace and make our petitions known unto the Father. So, we are appointed, we, we saw today, we're appointed under redemption, we're appointed under revelation and under courage. And much more, much more, but that's all the time I have for this morning. So next time we'll look at, at, at some more uh, of the uh, designations of God's grace. Thank you for being here this morning. I hope it was a benefit to you and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronit Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronit Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.